0: everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to do another Q&A podcast for you. I realized not that long ago that it's been quite some time. I went and looked at all the questions I had and I thought, Whoa, okay, let's do this. <laughs> Hi, I've got some questions to answer. And that's what we're going to do today. I first do just want to talk to you very quickly about iTunes reviews. You know, I love to share an iTunes review that just kind of pops out to me when I take a look. I've been on this mission to get 500 reviews and you guys have totally come through and given me over 500 ratings, which I'm so thankful and grateful for. I thank you so much. But I'm still looking for more reviews. So the one that I'm picking today is by Cultural Icon and the title is MD in Chicago. So that's very close to me. It's right around the corner. And this person writes, wow, life changing, which makes sense because she is a life coach. I actually don't have much weight to lose, but her podcasts have so much wisdom about how to approach life, dealing with setbacks, and just becoming a happier, more self-reflective human. I've recommended this podcast to so many people. Most are not in the medical profession. So if you're a busy mom or female, I suspect she will speak to you. And if you are a busy mom slash female slash medical professional, she will really speak to you. Wisdom and compassion. I always feel better after I listen to her podcast. So Cultural Icon, thank you so much. I'm so glad that this work and everything that I'm bringing to you every week is making such an impact on your life and that you are willing to share it with your friends. I appreciate that so much. That is so great. Okay, let's start off with these questions. So number one is from Diane. And she writes, I have a question about food journaling. To stay a naturally thin person, do you need to continue to food journal forever? I am concerned about needing to record my food indefinitely to manage my weight because in parentheses, I believe <laughs> it makes me focus more on food and obsess over it. I was wondering if you might be able to talk about this at some point on the podcast or include it in a and a In fact, I can Diane. If I'm always needing to record what I eat, I feel like I will always be thinking about what I eat. Would love someday not to have to give it a second thought and just enjoy life and relationships without having to stop to record it. Okay, Diane, this is such a great question. And I know so many people are going to benefit from you asking it. So this is where you're getting confused. If you are thinking that food journaling causes you to think and obsess about food so much, then we've got some other issue going on. In my world, when I think about food journaling, it literally takes a second and then we're done. So what I'm wondering is what your thoughts are about food journaling and what your thoughts are while you are actually journaling your food. I'm wondering if you're spending a lot of time judging what you were eating, thinking that maybe you did something wrong or you should have done something differently, that you have a lot of brain chatter about that food. The other way it feels like you're constantly having to access your food journal is when you're eating all the time, right? So if you're snacking and eating all the time, then yeah, you're going to be thinking about this constantly and stopping and recording it. But when you really, really constrain your food and constrain your meals and you stop snacking and you don't eat very often you almost never think about your food. It's the exact opposite of what you're concerned about. So what you're doing is taking a quick moment to jot down what you ate, paying attention while you're eating so you know what it is, and then taking a quick moment to do that. And it really is as simple as that. So you are enjoying your life and your relationships because you are not spending so much time focusing on food and obsessing over it. So I don't think that it's actually the food journal that's causing you to obsess over food. I think it's your thoughts about food. That is where you need to focus some of your attention. So to answer your question though, do you need to continue to food journal forever? Some people are going to decide they want to do that. They're going to decide that it keeps them accountable. It keeps them in check and in line with what their goals are. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, especially when it's as easy as food journaling can be, where you really are barely thinking about it. But I will say that after my clients get to maintenance, I usually suggest that they continue for journaling for at least another year, if not maybe even another 18 months. kind of depends on how much of that maintenance time they've spent kind of spinning in confusion and dealing with a few pounds gaining and losing and all that stuff. If there's been a lot of drama during the maintenance phase, then they need to do journaling longer. But if they've gotten to maintenance and it's really just super dialed in, then they can experiment with not doing it and see what happens. The great thing though, is that as soon as you start noticing that your weight is going up or you're not sure what's ex- exactly going on with your food, or you're just not getting the results you want, finding that you're snacking again or something like that, you know exactly what you need to do, right? You go right back to food journaling, you start paying attention to everything and you get yourself dialed in. That That is exactly the same thing that you do when you've been planning your food ahead of time. Like, do I have to plan my meals for the rest Rest of my life, well, maybe maybe that's what you need to do to keep yourself in check and maybe it really serves you. But for most of us, we're gonna get to a point where we're like, you know, I'm I'm so dialed in on this. I'm gonna experiment with just eating the same things over and over and not planning the night before and see how I do. If I personally ever find myself having any drama around food or any issues, the first thing I start doing is going back and planning my food the night before again. And it doesn't take long, literally two, three days before I'm totally right back on track again with that. So that's a tool that I can implement and utilize to help me continue to get the results that I want. Now, over the course of time, you know, many, many years out, then of course that's our goal to just not even think about it ever. It's just the new way that you eat is not even new anymore. It's just the way that you eat. But for many of us, when we're in this process, you know, continue to journal is what we're going to want to do and plan food as well until we get to that point. So thanks Diane for that question. That was so great. And this next one is a little bit similar. It is along the same vein. So I wanted to talk about that. So this is from Delane and she writes, I started implementing many of these ideas after listening to the decisions ahead of time podcast. I have a planner that is working well and already implementing many of these concepts. I've been living by the mantra, honor thy plan. I've been able to really dial in my days and to-do lists. The issue I'm running into is my husband complains about my lack of spontaneity. How do we, quote unquote, plan for spontaneity? I appreciate all you do, Katrina. Okay. Well, thanks, Delane. I appreciate you sending me this question. (laughs) This is such a good question, right? We think that when we plan everything, then there's no time to be spontaneous, that we just are always so rigid and everything that we do. And that's actually the exact opposite of what actually happens. So when you plan out your day, what you do is you also plan time for rest or plan time for literally nothing, right? <laughs> you can have a chunk of time on your calendar where you're going to do whatever you feel like doing then. And it's really important that you do that because otherwise what Us overachievers like to do, right? What we like to do is just be as accomplished as we can possibly be, be super, super productive. And in doing so, we are blocking out and planning for every minute that we're awake. And sure, that's great. You get a lot done, but then, right? You're not spontaneous. You're not getting the rest and relaxation that you need. And a lot of us really struggle with allowing ourselves to rest. So for some of you, this isn't an indulgence. It's something you really, really have to work on. And so, What I want to offer to you is that if spontaneity is important for your husband, then you can plan that in, right? Have a whole Saturday afternoon where you have nothing planned and you guys can just Do whatever you feel like doing. So that is how you kind of quote unquote plan for spontaneity. You give yourself some chunks of time where you have nothing planned at all. And then you just do whatever you feel like doing. Now, when it comes to spontaneity with food, that's what some of the husbands or other people in our lives will complain about. Like, well, sure. Now we didn't know that we were going to eat at this restaurant. And now you have to follow your other plan. You know, when you really have been losing weight and have your protocol really dialed in the, the weight loss plan that you're following, then what you can experiment with is going, okay, well, I know that I can have like a plan B. And if it really is that somebody wants to go out to another restaurant or I'm not going to eat at home or whatever this latest thing came up suddenly, then what I'm going to do is eat This food group, this food group, this food group, right? I'm going to have a bunch of fat. I'm going to have some vegetables. I'll have some protein. And then also knowing that say you get to a place that's only pizza and pasta or something and there really are no salads, there's like nothing that is free of flour and sugar for you to to have, then what you can basically do is just not eat, right? So you go out with your husband, you totally enjoy his company, you enjoy being there, and then you eat your on plan food when you get home. This is something that's really, really important to spend some time developing for yourself. This idea of going out with people and not eating, even when they're all eating. I know it sounds weird. Okay. Trust me. Many of you are rolling your eyes at me right now. I can feel it. <laughs> You're like, Katrina, that's weird. I'm not doing that part. But listen, you have to practice doing it so you can see that it is not weird, right? The whole point of going out is to have this contact with people, this connection, this communication, and that's all available to you, whether you're putting food in your mouth, chewing it up and swallowing or not. It's really the food part is completely irrelevant. And the only way you're going to prove this to yourself is by actually trying it out, Right, You can do this if you're not hungry when everybody is eating and you're just not ready for some food. You don't have to eat anything. The food isn't on plan. You don't like that. It doesn't even matter what the reason is. It's a really good thing for you to practice to just go like, yeah, absolutely. I want to go out with you and go there. And if they don't have anything, it's totally no big deal. I eat when I get home. And that ties us into the next question. You guys are so good. How did you know? <laughs> All right. This is from Pamela and she writes, I am relatively new to your podcast. So welcome, Pamela. And I've really been enjoying them the last few weeks. I started intermittent fasting and low carb, high fat on 1231 and have been really working hard to learn how to fast and manage my thoughts around stress eating and hunger signals, etc., I was listening to a recent podcast about how to live like a naturally thin person. And one of the things you said was that naturally thin people only eat when they are hungry. I'm trying to rationalize this concept with what I am also learning and practicing about fasting, which is that hunger is transient and can be ignored. So hunger is ignorable and not something to worry about, but also a signal that naturally thin people use for when to eat. How do you put those two things together? Thank you so much for all you do. You're seriously changing my life right now. And I'm, so grateful. Pamela, thank you so much for sending me this question because this is so good. How do you reconcile these two? So what I want to offer to you is that when you are not very fat adapted, when you're still a sugar burner and your body's expecting flour and sugar and really easily digestible forms of carbohydrate to keep you sated, what you're going to find is that your hunger is totally out of whack. Like your hunger signals are not reflective of what you actually need. And it doesn't feel ignorable when you are having like a hangry spell, right? Like you're so hungry. This has to be solved immediately. It definitely feels like an emergency. And so what you're learning by doing some fasting and getting out that flour and sugar from your diet and getting your body more fat adapted is that hunger really isn't that big of a deal when this happens. And that's exactly what we're talking about like so you're hungry in between meals like it's okay it's not a big deal and you're right there are going to be some naturally thin people who are like well I'm hungry and it's three and I'm gonna eat a little something but what you're more likely to find with a naturally thin person is that they actually forget to eat a meal so they are You know, quote unquote, ignoring their hunger or they just aren't that hungry. And so they'll end up only eating one meal that day because they just sort of forgot to eat. So it wasn't something where they intentionally thought to themselves, okay, well, I'm really hungry and I'm going to ignore it and I'm, and I don't need to worry about it. Right. They just are like, I got busy and I didn't eat. Like it's, (laughs) there's like literally no drama in there at all. Right. Like it's just this is how I'm rolling today. And so hunger is ignorable and not something to worry about. Now, when naturally thin people are actually hungry though, right? When they get to a minus four on the hunger scale, they're like, okay, yeah, I think I'd like to eat. Now that happens to us when we're fat adapted. Sometimes maybe I'm hungry to a minus four at five. So I start making dinner, but the hunger kind of goes away. So by the time we sit down to eat at 5.45 or six or something, I'm not actually hungry anymore. I still will eat then because it was my plan to eat. And also because I was hungry, earlier like i know my body is ready for some food i don't have to necessarily be you know at a minus four hunger level immediately when i'm eating if that makes sense so we we basically could reconcile them in the sense that they're both talking about the same thing that naturally thin people if they're actually feeling hungry true hunger then they will eat but if they're just having like a little hunger pang what i would call like a minus two on the hunger scale where you don't even feel like it's worth the effort to get up and make food like they wouldn't even describe themselves themselves as hungry. They would just be like, yeah, I don't really want to eat anything right now. So that's kind of the difference there. I hope that makes sense for you. Thanks for that question, Pamela. Okay, next one is from Annie. Annie says, the question I have is about the things that have to get done every day, ideally at the same time, but just have to happen, like plan food, food journal, make dinner, meditate, laundry, practice piano with child, walk the dog, etc. I find that my daily task list gets bogged down with these mundane daily repetitive chores. Do you have a separate list for things that have to get done every day and aren't going away? In parentheses will never be checked off question mark. So Annie, thanks for that question because that's actually really a good point. What is important to recognize is you're probably not going to forget to make dinner. And you're probably not going to forget to walk the dog because the dog's going to remind you, right? But you might forget to practice piano with your child. I mean, God, the number of times that I've forgotten to have my kids like practice their speech therapy stuff or whatever they're supposed to be doing. Like they're the ones who come to me and they're like on amoxicillin for an ear infection. They're like, mommy, wasn't I supposed to have my medicine? I'm like, oh. Yes, you were. (laughs) And I'm a pediatrician. What? (laughs) So I agree. Like, having some sort of checklist is a very, very good idea. Huge fan of the checklist. So, Annie, this is what you can do for the things that always have to get done. You can have something separate. Now, I know you might be like, seriously, another thing. Like, I've got my calendar, I've got my bullet journal, I've got my 15 minute increment thing. Like, I need to add something else. But what I want to suggest is that you actually just create some sort of document, you can handwrite it, or you can do it on your computer that has little boxes for the check marks. And you put all the things, all of these daily tasks, if they're, if they are really time specific, you can for sure put that time on there. But a lot of them aren't right. You know, I mean, in the evening, you want to plan your food, food journal, make dinner, you know, if, if you want to meditate in the morning, you do that. If you know, Every night you want to just throw in one load of laundry, you can put that on there. You can divide it up like your morning tasks or like before work, after work. You could even have a separate section for weekend things. I know for me, I would end up doing a lot of the laundry stuff on the weekends and kind of doing some kind of you know, catching up types of things that always needed to get done. And so you can divide them up with these little check boxes, and then you can just get it laminated, or you can even buy these little laminating pouches where you just open it up. It's like the two pieces of plastic, clear plastic. Are already mostly bound together. You slide in your paper and then unstick the little stickies and smooth out all the air, and boom, you've got a laminated piece of paper there. Those are really cheap. You can get them on Amazon or from Office Max or a place like that. And so then what you can use is an erasable marker on them over and over again. So I know it seems kind of silly, like I have to remember to make dinner, but like if it's really something, I, gosh, you know, I remember this happened to me a couple years ago. I always have have joked that when kids go back to school is sort of like a mother's new year because we have all these new resolutions. We're like, okay, we're gonna get to bed on time this year, right? Like we have this whole way of thinking, like this year's gonna be different. And we have these kind of resolutions. And I remember thinking like I have got to start making dinner earlier. Cause I would wait until I was feeling hungry, then end up snacking a ton while I was making dinner, still eat dinner even though I wasn't hungry anymore. You know, kids going off to bed way too late. Like just it ruined my whole night. And so I remember one year at the start of school, my resolution was, I need to start thinking about dinner at 4.30. Like whether I actually start or not is up to me, but I need to be thinking about it. I need to have a plan. And so when I was at work, obviously... I wasn't doing that. But that meant that I already had a plan for the nanny, like the nanny knew what she was going to be making for the kids. Or, you know, if it was a whole meal for everybody, then she knew what she was doing. Or I knew that, okay, we're just having leftovers that day, these things have to be heated up. And it took a while, it took me a few months. But after a certain point, I didn't have to think about it anymore. Now four o'clock rolls around four, 430. And I immediately just start going, okay, what's our plan for dinner? You know, if I haven't already delineated everything out, and usually I kind of know, what I'm gonna do anyway, but I might have to just go, okay, so if we need to be gone at 645, then I should start at five or whatever it is, right? So you'll find that over the course of time, the more you do this checklist, it might take weeks or even months, but before you know it, your brain is totally just gonna to be like, oh yeah, these are all the things we do. But I agree, like especially at the end of the night, you'll forget to food journal, right? Or you'll forget to plan your food. Or you'll be like, shoot, that's right. I wanted to meditate. Now I, you know, I didn't do it again. So when you have that checklist, then you just kind of and mark them all off. It keeps what you need to be doing top of mind. And then you can just check them off with your erasable marker. So you can, I think I've just used those ones that you use like on a whiteboard, like a marker board type of thing. And then erase back off again, you start again the next day. And I think you're going to find that just, you know, it feels so great to just check things off and know that you're finishing things. Again, that's that achiever strength that most of us have. And at the same time, you're going to make sure you're getting it all done. Now, remember, you're going to have this all on there and then you're going to see many Meditate, and you're going to be like, Oh my God, the last thing I feel like doing right now is meditating. <laughs> and you're going to do it anyway, right? Because this is on your list of things to do. You might have a rule for yourself that you're not allowed to watch TV or relax or read a book or get on Facebook or any of that until your evening tasks are all checked off, whatever it is, right? So then pop in a podcast and just get it done as fast as you can so that you can have that rest time that you that you need and want for yourself. So this is a great way to keep yourself on track with all those things. You don't need to be putting them and rewriting them every single day in your daily to-do list. I agree that kind of gets repetitive and probably isn't even that helpful. So what I would do is just have this little laminated sheet just sitting on my counter or where you are congregating for the most part and then you just know at night okay kids are to bed what do I need to do? And the answer is always go look at my list. The other thing you can even do is use that erasable marker to add a couple extra tasks. If there's there are things that you want to get done that day that you don't typically have to do, that could be something easy where you're just like, oh yeah, I need to just wash the towels too instead of just the normal laundry or whatever it is. That's an option as well. And really what it comes down to for all of these organization and productivity kinds of things is figuring out how to tweak the system to make it work for you. These are, of course, my suggestions, but you can figure out a way that really makes it so that you do these things because that's ultimately the result that we want is that all the things that need to get done, get done and you have time to rest, relax, rejuvenate yourself and really feed yourself, do that self care that you really need. So thanks, Annie, for that question. That is great. Okay, and then our last question today is from Alicia, and she has questions about food. She says, I have two questions. Number one, what do you think about green smoothies? And then she tells me about the things that she puts in them, including a couple of cups of fruit. And so Alicia, I am not a fan of smoothies just in general, even ones that are a 100% veggies. And the reason why is that when you blend up smoothies, what you're doing is making foods that have a lot of. You know, need to be chewed up and a slower digestive process completely blitzed into this liquid that your body can absorb very quickly. And especially when you have fruit in there, the fruit will give you a much bigger insulin surge than if you just ate the fruit. And so if you think about it, right, like you you have two to three cups of kale or another green and you've got some coconut water, or unsweetened almond milk, and then two cups of fruit. That's a lot of food, especially for a breakfast. What I would much rather see you do is work on getting some fat in like a lot of fat in breakfast time to extend your overnight fast and then get you so that you're not very hungry in the morning and then get to a point where you can possibly just have maybe some coffee and cream or something like that. Some people end up just not having anything but just water or something like that in the morning. And the reason why is because you're getting that big insulin surge. And in order to get you more insulin sensitive so that your your weight set point can drop, we really do want to avoid those. Now, here's what I say about smoothies because then right there's a bunch of you listening, but I love my smoothie and I love that whatever and I can't ever have that. I'm not saying that at all. My suggestion is that you get to your goal weight, get yourself straightened out in maintenance so that you're maintaining your weight. And if you really want your smoothie, then try it, right? Then go back to it a couple times a week and see how you feel. See what your hunger level is like. See if it kind of messes you up or if it feels great and then see what your weight does. So I would just say that while you're losing weight, I would avoid it. So if you're not happy with where you're, weight is right now and you're looking to lose, I would cut those out for now. Second question is, do you have any cookbooks you'd recommend for cooking with healthy fats? I love your descriptions of the olive oil heavy meals you make, etc., and would love to find a cookbook or two with recipes following this principle. So all of my clients, current or who have ever worked with me, will know my answer. My answer is don't buy any cookbooks, <laughs> which is so funny, right? Because so many people who are trying to help people lose weight are like, yes, buy this and buy this and you need this other thing. And what I want to offer to you is that that all of that is distractions. And when you think that you need a cookbook to help you figure out how to eat, you're just indulging in indecision and confusion. You absolutely do not. All you have to do is look at the food that's on plan for you, that you already like to eat and figure out how to add more fat so that it would taste good. So literally that can be as simple as well. I usually cook my eggs in some Pam spray. And instead, I'm going to put a bunch of olive oil or some butter in the pan and the eggs will kind of, you know, absorb all of that or mix it all in. And then I'll get more oil and, and fat in that way. You know, adding full fat dairy to anything is always an option. Eating eggs, high fat cuts of meat. I mean, really, really constrain and simplify your meals. You absolutely don't need a cookbook. It's just going to make this process even harder for you. So I know that's probably not what you guys want to hear, <laughs> but I am telling you that you already know these answers. And once you just realize like I don't need another book or a cookbook to tell me what the answers are. All I need to do is just use my brilliant brain to problem solve this for me and come up with a solution. You're gonna start seeing solutions right and left. And then you'll try some things and you'll like them or you won't like them. So you're gonna have some hits and you're gonna have some misses and you're just gonna be able to move on from that. But getting your meals super constrained down, like you don't need a lot of options. You literally need five to 10 meals and just keep repeating them over and over and over and over again. Okay, Alicia, so I'm saving you some money. And when you want to eat your kale, just chew it up, okay? Like, use your teeth, and kale is awesome. Fruit is fine, too. You just want to use your, your teeth to chew it up instead of blending it all up so you can drink it down so quickly. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for sending me your questions. This is always one of my favorite podcasts to record because I love knowing what you guys are thinking about, what you're struggling with. And so please, if you have questions about what I've taught you or anything related to that, you can always send those questions to me at hello at com or you you can also go to the podcast show notes pages, which you can find. This one you can find at KatrinaUbelmd.com forward slash 6060 and leave a comment. And the next time I do a QA, I will do my best to answer your question. And if you wouldn't mind leaving me an iTunes review, I would appreciate it so much as a Final note, many people have the most success doing that off of their computer. So please, whether you're a PC or Mac user, you can just have your iTunes account opened up there and you're able to leave that review so much easier. Just search for Weight Loss for Busy Physicians and enter that review. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? go to katrinayoubellmd.com and click on free resources.